heard this morning, if you have your Bibles, um, uh, we're going to go back to Judges. In fact, I'm going to take a chapter back from where we were last week, Judges. Um, uh, and we've been picking on Samson. Poor guy, I think when I go to heaven, one day he's going to really give me a hard time because uh, we're picking on him uh, this morning. So um, <clears throat> Judges 14, I'm going to read a, just a, a, a tiny bit of a story. And what I'm going to do this morning is go back to a thought I introduced a, couple, a few weeks ago. Understanding God is now dismissed. That's how, that's how the video says it. I got it. God bless you. Thank you, people. Yeah. We're so dependent on technology, aren't we? Oh, yeah. You know you are. You know, if you didn't set up an alarm today, you would have been late. You know. All right. Judges 14. So, anyway, I'm going to introduce a thought today to you. Actually, it's not a thought. Expand on a thought I introduced a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's a story of Samson. The title of the message today is The Battles Within. Say that with me. The Battles Within. So let's read a, just a tiny little story, and then we'll go from there. So verse 5 says, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother. He was going to get married, actually. Okay. Well, actually, okay. And came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn a young goat, though he had nothing in his hands. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. Later, verse 8, when he returned to Timnah uh, for the wedding, he, re- he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a, that a swamp of bees had made a, some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother and, and they ate it. But he did not tell them what he had taken, he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of a lion. Now, there is some significance to that lion and what he did with the carcass, because as a, as a, as a, as a Nazarite, even as a Jewish person, person, um, it was forbidden to eat carcass or any dead meat and all that kind of stuff. So already he was breaking some law. And today's, that's not our focus. But, um, but a few things were happening in his life. That kind of had a negative impact in the long run. Let's pray real quick. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive in us. As Pastor Dustin said today, that you're good. It's not just a, a statement that we make, but that is something that you're, you, that, that is just the essence of who you are. And so we ask this morning, God, that you will speak to us through your word, enhance us, help us to be better than we were when we came in. Equip us with your word and let it bear fruit in our lives. Release your word, oh God, as you said, that I, you, you will accompany your word with signs and wonders. I pray this morning, that you will accompany your word with signs and wonders in our lives, O God. Let the baggages be left behind and good things be added into our lives as we open your word today. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Amen. 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 So obviously, when you read about Samson, he is an incredibly gifted man. He is very strong physically. I wouldn't want to take him on a fight. The guy that tore up a lion um, with his bare hands is not a person you want to mess with. You, you'll be very afraid if you get, you know, if you get in his way. So obviously he was a very powerful man. God gave him the ability uh, that was superhuman ability to do stuff that others could not do. He was anointed and gifted 
for a specific purpose in his life. And his purpose, as we cannot go back, uh, go back to his story at the beginning, God wanted Samson to be the guy that would deliver Israelites out of the hands of the oppression of the Philistines, where they had been oppressed for 40 years by the Philistines. So there was a purpose, there was a design purpose in his life. Now let me tell you this, my friend, that God also has a purpose for your life. And you were brought in the planet to do something that nobody else was, has done. Oh, oh, you didn't hear me. Because we, we have this tendency sometimes to kind of emulate, say, oh, what, what kind of person inspires you the most? We can get inspiration from others, but we are called as a unique person, a unique man, a unique woman, a unique boy, a unique girl that God put in this planet for this period, for this time in history. He made no mistakes. You weren't born in 1800 for a reason. God's got you to do something that's never been done before. So, as strong as he was physically, as anointed as he was to accomplish his purpose, as gifted as he was, there are some things also that he had to check in his life. He was strong on the outside, and we can see that pretty well. Uh, a guy that takes a lion. I grew up around lions, and I can tell you, you do not take a, you could have a gun and still be taken by a lion if you're not quick enough. Or finer. But this guy could take a lion. But the things that would eventually hurt him, the things that would eventually limit him, and limited his accomplishment, and limited his purpose, was not his physical ability and what he was able to do. It was the thing that happened inside of him. I know that his most famous story that we know of Samson that's negative is Samson and his second wife, Delilah. I was taught that many times. When you hear Samson, Samson, and Delilah. But if you look back through the, uh, the track of his life, you realize Delilah wasn't really the problem. There are battles within that Samson did not take care of. One thing that we see, and I hate to pick on him and to be too harsh on him, but one thing we can learn from his story is this, is that God shows us things in our lives. He exposes things in our lives that he wants us to work on. Battles that we need to fight within to be better. Not what people see necessarily, but what's happening on the inside. Not what I do, but what I am becoming. And one issue he had was the issue of pride. Now, if you kill a lion, let's just be honest, guys. You do want someone else to know this story. <laughs> it will be on Instagram, you know. About 50 hashtags behind it. It'll be on Facebook. It will, it will go viral on YouTube. You know, you'll have it. You will want someone to know. And so, he says like he did this and he didn't even tell his parents. And they were going on the journey with him. And the story is burning in his heart. He wants to show it. And this story led up to the riddle that started all... That started just things that, to the riddle when he, he got all these dudes that were his, his wedding, um, his uh, groomsmen's when he was getting married. And he goes, hey, I got to tell you guys a riddle. You know what he wanted to say. He wants to say, guys, what you're looking at here is a guy that just took a lion with his bare hands. But he didn't even go in and tell the story. He wanted to make it even more interesting. Do you have those people in your family? Oh, they don't tell you the story. Oh, they'll tell, they'll make it 
really good. But let's go back and look and see why or why Samson, how he killed the lion. Okay? Verse 8. Oh, no, 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 no. Verse uh, 5. Part 2 of verse 5. It says, Now to his surprise, a, li- a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord, come on, say the Spirit of the Lord, came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. You know, really, it is, unless the Lord, he couldn't have done anything. Unless God, there's nothing he could have done, but he wanted to brag, right? It's not different. He's not different than any of us. It's like, oh, how silly, how stupid. Just need to be humble here. Well, pride is something that we have to deal with also. And it's not something that you conquer one time. You're like, I'll never have pride in my life again. It's something that we continue to have to check inside. It's a battle within that we continue to have to check as the Lord's moving us from one glory to another, as things are happening for you, as you achieve in life, as you do things that maybe you set out to do, as you set up your goals and you get accomplished, those things happen, but we're still, you still have to check that your character is being transformed. You're looking more and more like Christ inside. Don't be like the guy who says, I'm so proud of how humble I am. Because you can lose sight. And we are all susceptible to pride and just so easily like that. Because it manifests itself in many different ways. Sometimes in ways that seem so humble. In false humility. Insecurity. The root is pride. And it's amazing how a little thing can set somebody so gifted, so talented... Even well accomplished. But yet they leave, the, they leave the planet, they leave the earth, they leave their time without fulfilling their purpose. Or they leave their lives unhappy, even though they've achieved much. We saw last week that he still excelled in his life. He governed, uh, he, he was judge over Israel for 20 years. He did a lot of stuff that people would never have imagined anyone to do. So he was well accomplished, but he was a very unhappy person in his life. Because he wasn't dealing with things. We see that all the time. How many pro players have you ever seen very talented, very gifted, and then they mess their lives up on something just really small, and we're like, there are a lot of good talents that are dead because of pride. The Bible does say pride does come before we know that. So how do, we, how do we look at pride? How do we see, you know, we need to look at it head on. We need to look at it in our life and put the check and let Christ walk in us so he can change us. You're not going to turn upside down in one day, but allow the Lord to expose it in your life so he can deal with you and make you more and more like Jesus Christ and not let it harm you, not let it hinder you, not let him limit you no matter how well you do in life. It shows up in our emphasis of self. Keep put, you know, uh, that, that um, need to want to show off, you know, accomplishment. If you accomplish something, you want everybody to know. Beauty or positions in life. And it also has two sides of it. 
Sometimes, though, it's, it's very, very sensitive. If you're very, very sensitive about what people think. So every decision you make is based around how people think. See, think maybe even so small as just clothes or cars or houses or jobs. Now, get me, let, me get, let, me, let me get this straight. God wants you, God will bless you with things. Things are not bad. In fact, many of God's blessings are manifested in things. Abraham, when he was blessed, the Lord says, you will have a lot. So, he was, so none of that is wrong. In fact, God, uh, the material things can be a sign of God's blessings. Are you at least with me on that? The problem is, it's not that God doesn't want us to even enjoy good things. He wants our, our lives to be, to be full of joy and peace. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, but when we're motivated with competition and showing off, maybe looking for that to be an outlet to get respect or get acknowledged and all that, not that then we are missing something. And that's why God's like, okay, change my attitude. Let me see people the way I see people. Let me use things, but not be taken by things. Amen? How we see characteristics of pride, number one. Yeah, well, not number one. You see things like being arrogant, haughty, self-righteous, tendency to make comparisons, self-promoting, inability to receive correction, and a bit wrong. Oh, oh, do you have those in your family too? Around your life? Yeah, I, I know someone in my family that I've never had them in my life say sorry. They'll excuse. Even when they're wrong, completely, they'll just kind of say it and say, oh, no, I mean it. But they never use the word sorry. That's pride. It's rooted in, in being defensive, insecurity. People that are very critical of others. Oh, boy. Anything you say, they are, boy, they know how to dump every, throw a wet towel on any good thing that comes around. And being resistant to the will of God. And I'm not talking about human failing. Because nobody is perfect. We are all scared. We will all fail. We will all come short. The Bible says that all have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how hard we try. We will come short. Time and time again. Of God's glorious standard. Okay. I'm not talking about that. It's the blatant, blatant choice. To decide that, well, I know this is what the word says, but I am going to do my own way. It could be in the simplest of things. You know what God, you know clearly what God wants, but you decide, hey, I know better. I know better than him. We don't, we won't say it that way. We just won't do it. I'm not going to make anybody tell me what to do. Hello. Why it's so quiet in this church today. But God does have a response. Uh, so so <clears throat> one of the things that I, it was really cool to see um, is that Samson was, was exposed to God's power. Because it's the Spirit of the Lord is the one who enabled Samson to do what he did. So God's power was obviously evident in his life. So he was exposed to God's power. But the one thing he lacked, he was not, that you and I have access to in the New Testament. He wasn't exposed to God's love. 
He was introduced to God's power and he saw it working. But he did not understand the depth of God's love like we can understand in the time that we are living in. Because we look at things in reverse. We're looking at things after the cross. Nobody ever called God Father those days. It was just God. But we are in the time (laughs) where he makes us, adopts us, and makes us sons and daughters so that we can say our Father who is in heaven. That's something he didn't have because we can understand that it takes so much love that Jesus went on the cross. It's something he did not have to do. We know that and sometimes take it for granted. But the love of God, when we understand it, when we dive in it, it softens something inside of us and gives us a depth of appreciation of what has been given to us. And it can shed and suppress every inch of pride in us when we realize how much has been given to us. Think about what the Bible says about the love of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 4. Uh, 6, 4. We say this in our weddings all the time, this verse. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. All the things that the love does not do are the things that pride will promote. Some of the things that Samson struggled with, like anger, a thing that missing, he did not understand the depth of God's love. Folks, we live in a time of history, and it's not by accident that you are born in this time. When Jesus already came, Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can be filled with God's love in our lives. And it exposes, I tell you, it exposes pride in us. And it helps us soften and become more and more like in his image because the Holy Spirit is not just one uh, opportunity where like with Samson, a spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He dwells in our hearts as believers when we ask. We have access every single time to, to commune and to worship the king. God says in First Peter 5, 5 that God, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now think about that statement. God opposes the pride. You, you don't want to be in the opposite side of God. Oh, we know what two opposing teams are like. We've been experiencing that since August last year. And it should have died down on February 20th, and it hasn't. You know what it is when people opposing views come and clashing. You don't want to be opposing God's side because you will lose every single time. And it says he opposes the proud. But he gives grace and deserve favor to those who are humble. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says, and he will lift you up. You want God to lift you, not yourself to lift you. Because when he lifts you, nobody can pull you down. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to make wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you, which you saw to your father, as it is this day. So Samson gets this uh, 
awesome, awesome experience. And it's all right. It's a story that needs to be told. And I'm not going to add what's not in the Bible. This is just my assumption. Because it did not come. Because it's not telling us what it did. It did not come out and give glory to God in the situation. Look what the Lord has done. It was like, look what I have done. Now look what the Lord has done. Folks, like that verse says, that we have to remember. Don't forget, you, you accomplished great things. You set out to do some amazing stuff and you accomplished it. You did some wonderful things. Great. Don't forget to give credit where credit is due. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. I've had the, I don't know if it's a privilege or opportunity. I, I, I will count it a privilege of leading, being in two different countries about almost half my life, both sides of the world. And it's kind of different how when you live in a, in a country where we live in the greatest nation of our time. And sometimes we, don't, uh, we are not exposed to what others go through. And it's easy sometimes to think that we are better than they are. And sometimes just a simple thing as an, a thing called opportunity. There are great minds, great talents, great gifts that are, the world has never seen, but are suppressed and not given the same opportunities that we have. And so we've got to remember that. And that's what it says, don't forget. It's the Lord who gives us blessings. He said, even the poorest among us has never seen what it's like for other people around the world. Did we do anything to earn it? No. Thank you, God. I'll do what I can do to help, but thank you, God. Thank you for roof over the head. Thank you for food. Thank you for a place, a nice place to worship. People are touching heaven. People are worshiping God under trees. People are sneaking through borders of an unsecured place. Sue gave us a story this week um, uh, of North Korea and the people that are discipling other believers, missionaries in North Korea, and what they have to go through just to go through two Bible study. We just want to go through one verse and talk a little about, about the, they are risking their lives for that. We have the whole counsel of God. We have the whole Bible. You can read it on the street out loud. You can go to the corn house and tell people you're going to hell if you don't know Jesus and still be fine. But you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to make wealth that he may establish his covenant with you. So everything you do of great achievement, again, don't fail to give credit to the Lord. That's making yourself humble. Reminding yourself again and again. Reminding your heart, oh boy, look at your family, look at what you have and say, God, thank you. Things might be going around my life that I think, oh, I feel like my life is not going as good as everybody else, but I can look back if I really am honest with myself, I can still say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What it does, it keeps a, you, you maintain a humble attitude 
And you would be able to kind of put that pride that with, you would deal with all your life. Because it manifests in many different ways. Sometimes even in false humility. How do we get that? It's good to see life through the lens and the eyes of Jesus. To be in his presence, which is an awesome privilege that we have as New Testament believers. In Isaiah chapter 6, you see an experience of Isaiah having an encounter with God. He gets exposed to the Lord's presence. He gets exposed to the Lord's glory. And um, he gets in a vision, the Lord shows himself to Isaiah in a real tangible way. And the Bible says that his response was like, listen to his response. Verse 3 says, Woe to me, I cried out, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king, the Lord God Almighty. I think his response is so telling of when we see things, when, when, when we see God, and then we look at ourselves, it puts things into a different perspective. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we see the Lord, <laughs> then turn back and see ourselves, it puts it all into perspective. You think it'll be awesome to have an opportunity to have a, an encounter with the Lord, a real tangible experience, God, God's glory manifests in your life. You think that would be incredible, right? Everybody would want that. And, 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 but, but when that does, it just shows how flawed we are. And when you're honest with yourself that way, I tell you, it keeps you humble. That's why the Pharisees, in, in today's world, they'll be called, they were like jerks, really. Because they knew the scripture so much, but they gave Jesus the hardest of time. Why? They were, well, they, they taught their life, keeping on every rule and checking every box. And so everybody that cannot keep every rule and check every box, they were calling them out like crazy. And people like thought, this spiritual thing, this uh, religious thing is just not for me. They're exposed to the law, but not exposed to his love. Like Samson was exposed to the power, but not his love. What we need is to spend more time with him. What gets you that? What gets you in his presence like uh, Isaiah did? Really nothing more does it than the spirit of worship. Because that gets you. And now, now there's all sorts of prayers that you can pray. You can make supplication. You can go to God and, and list all sorts of things and pray for things. But nothing like worshiping God just for who he is. Nothing for going in his presence just to adore him and, and, and say back to him how you feel. And you know what? Your capacity will enlarge and enlarge. Your vocabulary will increase and increase. You will never run out of words to say to God. As you learn to worship from your spirit. Because the Bible says that God is seeking for those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the worship team here does an amazing job. If some of you noticed today, I think they were having some sound issues. But they still worship the Lord. But I tell you, with or without that, it's not them leading us into worship. They help us a little bit. But folks, you have to learn to worship for yourself. You didn't have to learn to worship for yourself. Music, no music. Instruments, no instrument. Building, no building. doesn't matter. You have to have the Lord allow you to nurture a heart of worship in you because that heart of worship 
gets you more and more to see God as he is, which allows you more and more to see you as you are. And nothing will curb that more in your life than being constantly in his presence. Worship just ushers his presence more than anything does. And you'll find that throughout your life, no matter how well you do or not how well you do not do, you still keep a humble attitude no matter how accomplished you become. God wants your life to have good things. He wants to to do great things in your life. And he will do great things in your life if you keep yourself humble. As he said again and again, if you humble himself, he will lift you. I remember there's a time in my life as a teenager, late, well, not teenager, I was kind of, I was younger than I am. I'm still young. That's why I'm trying, I'm having a hard time uh, going back to this, you know. I was having a really incredible, um, I had a really incredible relationship with God. I'd say probably some of the deepest times in my life of growing spiritually was between the ages of 17 and 19. And it's when I discovered really how to worship the Lord, being in secret place. And and, and, And God just did some amazing things in my life. As my life was going on, moving along with Jesus, man, you know, he's growing me in prayer, in worship. He's blessing me even in the career. And, 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 and as a young person, uh, this, uh, against so many odds, God was actually opening opportunities for me that I never, um, I, I never would have seen if I wasn't spending that much time with him, if my relationship with him wasn't as deep as it, it had become. And, I, and then it tells me too, and I want to talk to people that are young in this room, is that God is not a respecter of persons. Don't wait till you get old. And say, that's when I'm going to really seek the Lord. I'm telling you, God will talk. You, you, could have start, you could have an awesome relationship with God as a young person. Timothy was told, do not let anyone despise you because you're, you're young. He was 16 at the time. But be an example to everyone. And God will move. He's not a respect of us. You turn your heart to seeking the Lord. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart. And there's nothing good, better you could ever do in your life. So make the long story short. Fast forwarding my life, I met the most amazing woman in the world. I'm thinking, boy, she's sitting right here, my wife. I'm 20 years old, maybe 20, 20 years old. And I'm thinking, wow, I got I to gotta take this somewhere. Living in Nairobi, Kenya, she's in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have like Skype, you know. It was like five bucks to make a phone call for a minute, for a minute. You know, uh, so emails and phone calls were very, very um, uh, special. And you basically knew exactly, like you get your Twitter in your head, you get to say what you want to say really early before you hang up on that phone. How many know what I'm talking about? Strategic. So I know that I got to make that trip to Lincoln, Nebraska to go meet her father. Kid from Nairobi, Kenya. And I'm in my mind, I was like, man, I'm going to impress this dad. He said, well, kid, even before I ask you, you got to marry my daughter. You know? 
And um, six months before I came here, I lost my job. <laughs> and I hadn't saved enough money to come and impress. And just to, as the story will go, I would come and uh, I would have a couple, um, I would borrow a little bit of money and I did not want my father-in-law to know, to be future father-in-law. You know, I had faith though, (laughs) that I borrowed some money. And it wasn't like, I didn't want to tell him anything, just I want to keep a good name. He's like, well, and there was somebody in the family someplace, I won't mention names, I thought, oh, well, they were just ready to ask me, how are you going to provide for her? And they were ready to say that. I was like, well, I guess with my two hands, I guess. But, but can you imagine coming 10,000 miles to meet the father or the woman you want to propose to and tell them, well, uh, I'm unemployed, I'm broke right now, and I want to marry your daughter and take her on the other side of the world. Try that one. And things will come up, and, uh, and against all odds, I had to, to come out clean and tell him about the money I'd borrowed and what I needed to do, and it wasn't ideal the way it came out. And, 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 you know, the Lord used it to really expose that. Because what, what was I doing? It was really pride. I was this kid that was really had a hot relationship with God. But God just exposed something in my life that I needed to really bring it at the foot of the cross and let him walk in me what he needed to walk in me. Of course, we're married 15 years this August. Eight kids next month. So the story did end up well. But the Lord didn't expose that to, to, to make, embarrass me. He allowed things to come out to help me deal with my own pride and recognize why I wanted to look good. It's okay to look good. But I had something in there that God needed to work on. And I needed to bring it at the foot of the cross. I don't know about your life. And it will limit me. It was one of the most freeing things I ever had in my life. Because when I looked at it, my family, we are very, especially my, side, my dad's side of the family, very, very reserved. When people say, oh, is Nebraska different? It's like, that's exactly how I grew up. It was always the good life. What goes behind those closed doors? Just assume it's a good life. We never open. We were trained never to open up to people at all. You don't tell them your business. That's your. That's how it was instilled. It goes from generation to generation, and there was this pride. We were the best. Sometimes we fall confused. So anyway, but but I realized that I needed to deal with that. And it wasn't something I initiated. It's something that had been passed on from generation to generation. And it's something that the Lord Jesus Christ wanted to free me from because it would limit how where I would go. 
There's things that you might need or you need, let me put it that way, to bring it to the cross because they are limiting you. You might not be the initiator of it if you investigate further. It might have been passed on from generation to generation, but that's exactly the kind of stuff that Jesus died on that cross for to be able to set us free from the bondages of the past so that we can be all that we can be in Jesus Christ. We can accomplish all that we can be where the sky is the limit. When you're in Christ, the sky is the limit. He said, and he came, he came to set us free, and to set us free indeed. Even the past cannot hold you. But this one thing we got to look at all the time, for, for different ones, it manifests differently. Maybe it's sure for you. Maybe it's insecurity. There is a root of your insecurity. Take it to the foot of the cross, and let God set you free, and be able to be the kind of person that can be humble before God. Don't confuse confidence with pride. What God will put in you is confidence, which gives you an assurity of who you are, and you don't have to prove anything to anyone to, to, to validate you, because you already know who you are in God. So you will walk confidently, you will have your head lifted up, no matter how people look at you, no matter what they think of you, and no matter what curses they bring on you. You can, you cannot do, it doesn't matter. Because inside of you, God, you've let the battles inside, you've won the battles inside, you don't have to win the outside. Those will just follow you if you're in Christ. Did you get something from God this morning? Amen. Let's stand up and worship Him. Amen. Come on. I believe God's going to do some business even as we worship today. I want to encourage you as we worship. We're going to have some, some songs of worship. Don't just kind of go through the motions and sing the songs and go home. Allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, to come into your life, and do in you something that he needs to do. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, pray with me, people. Oh, open your voices in this room and just begin to thank the Lord. Begin to thank the Lord. Come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Come on. You have things you can be thankful for right now. And just begin to open your mouth and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your amazing grace in my life, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you've put purpose inside of every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you who began a good work in us is faithful to bring it to the end. We know, God, that you, you see us differently than others see us. You see us differently even than we see ourselves. And we pr- I pray right now that you will take the veil off of people's lives. Those who have struggled with pride, maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's just a self thing, a land behavior. But we know it's not just behavior, but there is a spirit of the enemy that wants to hold us back from fulfilling our purpose in you. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, against the spirit of the enemy, Sunday. Can you pray? If you can pray in the spirit, I want you to pray in the spirit. I feel the... Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It is such a stronghold. And there's going to be a fight in your heart. There's a battle within. 
The enemy doesn't want you free because he's afraid. He's afraid of a free you and what you can do. And right now, Lord, we pray. We thank you for the promise that you said you have given us authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and to overcome every power of the enemy. Today we denounce every spirit of pride that's been passed on from generation to generation. Things that we have built up to look for acceptance, to look for accomplishment, to look for respect. We denounce it in the name of Jesus when we come strongly against it by the power of the blood of Jesus on the cross. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will cause a wave of your Holy Spirit to come in our hearts and begin to make us new. Oh, change us, Lord. Lift your hands if you're wanting to receive right now. If that's God speaking to you, just lift your hands and begin to receive. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, that you would touch every heart that's open to you, Lord. Every heart that's asking and saying, Lord, touch me, Lord. Touch me now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch. Heal. Forgive. In the name of Jesus. Share it out on my Sunday. Just touch right now. Bring freshness. Bring freshness, oh God. Oh, Lord, that sense of security. That sense of identity in you. That we don't have to prove to anyone about anything, Lord. That we are children of the Most High God. That you, we are king, daughters and sons of the King. That, that security is indebted so deep in our hearts, Lord. That we can ha- walk humbly and bring others to you through the testimony of our lives, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you receive it, come on. Be, give him praise. Give him praise right now. Give him praise right now. Thank you, Lord. I want us to sing this song. These altars are going to be open. If you need prayer, if you need to get on, the knee, on your knees on the altars, you do it. Don't let your pride keep you also on the seat. You get in and get business with God. You don't even, have any, you don't even need anybody to pray for you. You just need to put it down to the Lord and let the Lord touch you. So we're going to open the altars as they lead us in these couple of songs of worship. And the Holy Spirit is moving in this place as we worship Him. And He'll do some things. But if you need prayer with somebody, we have people to pray. But feel free to get on the altar, come in with God and just worship. Amen. Thank you.